Welcome to the Fintech Times News and Views podcast. Established in 2016, the Fintech Times is a global multimedia news outlet centered around the world's first leading fintech newspaper. We report on the latest and brightest ideas from the fintech world. Follow the conversation using hashtag TFD News and Views and follow us at, at the Fintech Times. Hello, 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 and welcome back once again to the Fintech Times News and Views podcast. I am joined as ever by the wonderful Francis and the wonderful Tom. How are you guys doing this week? How's it going? What's new in your life? Francis, go. That is the best intro I think we've ever had on this podcast. I'm here for it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm doing well. It's been a, it's a, a pretty fun week, I suppose, at the Fintech Times, you know, just been a lot of fun topics to to discuss and um yeah no, I'm, I'm doing well how are you guys doing i'm doing uh i'm doing pretty well it's uh i don't like the question what's new in your life because most of the time absolutely nothing it's the same every week but uh no it's good to be back it's uh the weather's still i, I always go to the weather because that's the the classic intro i feel like for the podcast but uh the weather's looking pretty nice today and it's been a bit dodgy the last couple of weeks so i'm i'm getting back in the mood and i'm uh I'm ready to get started today. Fantastic. So let's talk about some fintech then. What are you guys going to be bringing to the table this week? Tom, what is your article? Uh, So this week, I'm going to be talking about the rise of fintech. And that's basically uh, financial education on TikTok um, after I interviewed uh, the head of finance in the UK for the platform. Fantastic. And Francis, how about you? I'm going to be taking a deep dive into the world of subscriptions and how, you know, having an all-in-one platform to unsubscribe can be extremely helpful for both merchants and consumers. Excellent stuff. And I'm going to be looking at open banking um, and a new NatWest report on how we can help open banking achieve its full potential. Uh, But Tom, I'm going to make you go first uh, because I know you had a very exciting time talking to literally TikTok earlier this week. So tell us more about it. Well, you're spot on. It was was a great time. We learned a lot about um, finance on TikTok. Um, so the article basically came from an interview I did uh, earlier this week um, with Daniela Sale, um, and she's essentially the head of finance for TikTok in the UK. And basically, she deals with a lot of the financial brands and firms that are producing content and advertising um, on the platform. Uh, and I just thought it was a really interesting topic because, you know, as someone, I use TikTok quite a lot um, just for entertainment purposes. And you do see a lot of these financial brands and banks sort of engaging, they're using you know, different trending like memes and sounds and songs um, and just different trends uh, to gain a following. And, and I often wondered, like, what they're really getting out of it. Like, obviously, it's a lot to do with building an audience. And and I guess my sort of preconception was that a lot of people don't really trust the, the banking sector or even the finance sector much. And this is just a new way to engage um, with an audience. But by talking to Daniela, um, we learned a little bit more about basically what they're getting out of it. And I learned that basically a lot of these financial firms are using TikTok as a platform to engage with their audience um, and just teach them like new everyday useful information about their finances. Um, It could be explaining financial jargon or like new political developments that might affect their finances, you know, talking about rising interest rates, those kind of things. And Daniela gave me quite a good few quotes to be fair, Um, but she basically said that most of the time these like banks are trying to present complex financial products that need an element of humanization um so she was talking to me about how like the likes of monzo revolut um, and starling bank have all done like a really good job of producing educational content alongside more like light entertainment um and she said that a big part of it is they use like a lo-fi type of approach 
Um, so they're not just producing what you'd see in like an advert on TV. It's not like studio produced. It is quite literally someone, an employee or a, a creator that they've um, brought in just on their phone or iPad using the the features of TikTok to create content. Um, and it, I guess it just creates more of a personalized feel um, for users. But what I found most interesting um, from the interview was just about how TikTok's making financial education quite easy to access. Um, and you'll now have a lot of different sources. I feel like in the UK, especially like in the past, we haven't really had that much, that many sources that we can go to. Uh, the, the main one that comes to mind for me, at least, is uh, Martin Lewis and like Money Saving Expert. It's like the one place to get like good financial information that you know is going to be correct. Uh, I think it's quite a lot, quite easy a lot of the time to look up different finance uh, related topics on the internet and not really know if if what you're reading is is correctly laid out, if it's misinformation or not. Uh, and, and TikTok's making it quite easy to gain access to you know these different like banking institutions or, or fintechs um, who you know obviously it's in their best interest to give you the correct information as well. So I thought it was just a really interesting way that, you know, financial education is changing uh, at the moment. But, you know, also on the same side of that, you also get, you know, if there's 1 billion people uh, on the platform, um, you know, different users, millions and millions using it every day, there's also going to be people spreading misinformation uh, and scammers. Um, Anyone can make content, anyone can make any kind of content they want on the platform. And, you know, I basically went into a deep dive with Daniela about, you know, how TikTok are, are kind of trying to combat that. Um, so they're working with like the FCA to regulate financial advertising on the platform in the UK. Um, they launched a, a campaign called hashtag uh, fact check your feed uh, campaign in 2021. And that just tries to remind people to stay vigilant when they're using TikTok, that not everything they see is correct. Um, they've partnered with Citizens Advice to create educational content about finance. And like if you just search for any like trend in hashtags about finance or, you know, you look up mortgage advice or any kind of financial term on the search bar, you get like a financial advice uh, reminder um, that pops up. You might have seen it um, if you've used TikTok before. And it just reminds the users that all the investments that they see on the platform, all all investments are risky and not to believe everything you see on the platform to do further research before you dive into anything, basically. But I really just wanted to get both your opinions on both the sort of financial advice and educational side of TikTok that's really growing at the moment, as well as this sort of growth of misinformation and how they should be combated. So Francis, I'll come to you first. What's your take on like getting your financial ed- education from TikTok? I mean, I think the conversation with Daniela was really good because it sort of takes in all aspects of, you know, the different sides of, of financial education and like the risks involved with an app like TikTok. I mean, I think, the, you know, when when we were sort of discussing what articles we were going to talk about today, one of the biggest things that I sort of noted beforehand was that I think it should be a gateway to finance as opposed to the end goal of finance, if that makes sense. And sort of the sense that, you know, if you hear something on the platform that you like, then you should then investigate it more yourself before sort of, you know, running with that, signing up for it or whatever it might be. And I mean, that sounds very simple, of course, but I mean, like, it's like you said, right, with the these big, uh, you know, financial organizations and financial institutions, they're trying to make, you know, relatable content and, you know, humanizing stuff like the lo-fi production of, of, of things. And I mean, I do agree that, you know, that is a way to make it relatable to, to consumers and to make it, you know, something that they can they can find some humor in. 
and you know if if you find something that's humorous you're probably going to stick with it right in a weird way i think you know finances are something that you need an element of com- um, of complexity about them to an extent at least because i think you can't really be talking about complicated services in a simple way without potentially misleading consumers and i think that's the last thing that an organization wants to do right is to sort of say you know oh we have this service it's really simple but then of course there's like the t's and c's applied to it and then suddenly the consumer's sort of trapped in something that they don't know what they're doing. They're either losing money, they've misplaced money. And then it's this whole, you know, journey to try and get it back and to sort everything out. So I think in that regard, you know, I think there needs to be some sort of, I don't really know how the the best way to describe it, but it's just sort of like almost, perhaps it's more on the consumers than it is on the organizations themselves. Because I mean, it's like one of the, like we've sort of spoken about before, you can take a, a, a horse to water, but you can't make it drink it. I mean, you can... You can provide them with the services, but I mean, if they're not going to learn about them, then then that's on them. But, I, you know, I thought it was a really interesting uh, discussion in the fact that, you know, it is recognized that there is such a, a, a possibility for misinformation on the app and that it is trying to do things to avoid it. I just think, you know, you've got to be careful in sort of this sort of get rich quick world that a lot of people live in. I mean, I know that I'm talking for a while, but I mean, you know, those... I don't know if you guys have seen them, those ads on, on like YouTube where somebody goes, oh, I made like 2K in like a week or something like that. And you could too. And it's just that those sort of things that it's like, it's just too good to be true. And I guess that is an old adage as well, that if you see on TikTok, if it's too good to be true, then it probably is. But, you know, I, I all in all, I thought it was a really interesting conversation that you had with Daniela and that, you know, it does really uncover that there is potential on TikTok, of course, to help people understand. It's just... In my opinion, I don't think it's like the the be all end all answer. I think it's like, like I said, the gateway to it. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I, I think one thing you said is like there is this potential to oversimplify different financial things and therefore mislead people, even if that's not the intention. Um, but I think that's why I quite I found this sort of trend of these brands aren't necessarily like they're not just promoting their products. It it does seem to be more of a focus on you know, this, this bank Revolut is teaching you about this financial jargon and you can trust it because it's coming from Revolut and they're almost using that as a way to gain a bigger audience, make Revolut a bigger name in the UK to the UK audience and then attract more people to think about Revolut when they're thinking about switching banks or, you know, trying out a new financial service. So I think it, all in all, it generally seems to be a more of a way to become trusted, become the most trusted, I guess, brand um to the uk audience and see how you know that can affect um bringing more people in in the future but yeah it just seems like a an interesting space that you know obviously there is a lot of potential like misinformation and and areas that need to be improved um but what's your take on it polly yeah i won't i won't say too much because you guys have covered it really well so far and it was a really interesting uh, feature to read tom so well done uh, for that but i think in general I think it's it's brilliant, you know, and it's, when you think about what we talk with financial education and everything that we've said previously about that, I think TikTok is a really great great. I think TikTok is a really great way to help get that to the masses. Obviously, like you've said, there's you've got to take it with a pinch of salt. You've got to really be careful about the information that's being put out there. But I think it's good to see that TikTok are doing something about that, which is fantastic. But all in all, if you've got a resource that people are going to be using, you may as well capitalize on that. And I think some of the accounts that are on there giving out, you know, financial advice, maybe not advice. I know some people don't like to use that word, but like giving out information about finances, 
Um, I love Martin Lewis. Martin Lewis is my life. I adore him. Uh, but there are so many on there giving out really great uh, information and advice. And it just makes sense to use it. TikTok is getting to be one of the sort of highest search engines on the internet. Um, and it's it's kind of no different to, to what YouTube was a few years ago. YouTube was also one of the, the highest ranking search engines on the internet for people looking for information. So it makes sense to get it in TikTok and then you get information in like nice little bite-sized chunks. So I think it's just a win-win. Obviously, you know, we've got to be careful with the information like you guys have been saying, you know, we've got to make sure people are staying safe. But, you know, when it comes to actually just giving out information, like explaining different jargon, explaining what different kinds of mortgages are, what, you know, all these different like inflation rises mean for actual individual people. I think on that front, it's just fantastic. And I really hope it carries on and people continue to really start garnering the education around finances in that way because I think this could be not to sound too dramatic but kind of like what we're missing when we talk about financial education we always talk about how we need more of it and how people need to have that access but how do you get that access and something like this I think is kind of how you do it so very exciting very very big fan yeah and I think just to like conclude I think it's really interesting how at least for me I think if you just spread correct financial information and you're teaching people about confusing terms and you're, you're simplifying topics that, you know, may be confusing for them. They're not understanding how to best manage their money. You're just teaching people things that is correct. That is inevitably also going to have an impact on how many people are falling for scams, how many people are being tricked by people on the platform already, because the more people know about finances and about financial jargon, the less easily they're going to be sucked into someone saying, invest in this because you know it's guaranteed to make you money you know the more people are aware just about finances in general then the better off they're going to be when you know sort of navigating this platform that could have a lot of misinformation as well so yeah i just thought it was uh it's all heading in the right direction um based on the conversation awesome stuff thank you tom uh so francis do you want to go first or shall i go first uh shall i go second i'll go second to mix it up i always go last uh so today uh i wanted to look at how NatWest has identified three ways to help open banking achieve its full potential. Uh, so the British banking and insurance company has commissioned Oxera, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, which is a finance and economics consultancy firm to look into some of the challenges that are holding open banking back um, and also kind of the development of new innovative use cases that can go beyond the regulatory mandate. So I feel like open banking was pretty big um you know a big topic in the fintech world sort of maybe more so a couple of years ago but still obviously very prevalent now but i think open banking has kind of shifted slightly at least in the way that we're thinking about it and i know last year there was quite a few um sort of people in the industry kind of speaking out about open banking and how maybe it's not as cool as we think it is um, and then others are saying that open banking isn't really achieving its full potential. And then other voices as well that are sort of we're kind of transitioning from open banking into more of like an open finance kind of space. So there's always a lot of sort of what's the right word? There's always a lot of discussion uh, when it comes to open banking, kind of what that means for both businesses, consumers and the industry in general. Uh, so this report um, has identified sort of some of the economic challenges that are preventing open banking from reaching its full potential. Um, and these include a lack of commercial incentives to develop or enhance APIs and a lack of alignment between ASPSPs, which is account servicing payment service providers, um, for example, banks, 
um, and this is on the benefit of open banking. So there are also a lot of significant challenges when we think about sort of like managing trade-offs, particularly an example uh, in relation to security and convenience within the open banking ecosystem. So interestingly, uh, the report also offered sort of ways forward to help address these challenges, uh, which two of which are already under discussion. So these are to mandate banks to offer a wider range of use cases, uh, to commercialize APIs, to encourage banks to expand open banking uh, use cases through premium APIs, and then also introducing a multi-party system, which is would be to enable multi-party systems to emerge that have a commercial incentive to grow the open banking ecosystem through the design of new flexible frameworks for industry collaboration. So I think it's really interesting. And I think the report definitely makes it clear that banks, fintechs and regulators kind of need to work together in order to get open banking to achieve kind of what it could be achieving, you know, to really reach that full potential that people keep talking about and to sort of get some more interesting range of use cases there. Um, And I guess the recommendations in this report are kind of hoping that that will happen. I guess what I wanted to talk about with you guys today was kind of where you think open banking is at the moment. You know, what what kind of things are you seeing uh, in the industry? Is open banking kind of still the big thing right now or have we moved on to other things is you know what what are your thoughts on just open banking kind of as a general question and then i guess do you agree with the report do you think things are holding it back uh, to reaching its potential uh tom i'm gonna go to you first yeah i, I think this is a, a cool article because it kind of outlines exactly the the problems i guess with open banking and why it hasn't necessarily fulfilled the potential that perhaps a couple of years ago, we thought it will have done. Um, I was actually surprised uh, by the start at the start of the article, like only 10% of consumers and SMEs are, are using open banking. Because I, I did think at this point, you know, it, it was such a sort of big element that more people would have engaged with it. Um, and I remember uh, there was a report um, earlier in the year that showed like all of the top or the biggest six banks in the UK had all fulfilled their sort of obligations to that was set out to them to sort of try and enhance how many people use an open banking. Um, and the fact that that happens, you know, at the start of the year and still only like 10% of consumers are actually, and SMEs are using this, um, maybe shows that, you know, it's still got a long way to go and it hasn't had the success that maybe we expected it to have. Um, I think it, you know, obviously the, the potential for what open banking can offer consumers, especially is like really obvious, you know, it could have really big benefits for, for people just generally, um, you know, in, in organizing their finances, getting access to different services. Obviously, it hasn't quite happened. And I think, you know, maybe, as, as you said, there's a, a big need for collaboration. And if people aren't aligned, if all these banks, fintechs and regulators, they're not aligned, then we're not going to get the results that we're hoping for. There needs to be some sort of alignment in, you know, it can't just be Nat West trying to pave the way. Everyone needs to kind of, at, you know, have their input and, and really work together without this kind of collaboration that's never going to happen and we're never going to see the full potential of what open banking can offer um so i just thought you know really as with kind of most things i think we talk about it's just that the problem is there's not enough collaboration and the 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 question is how can they actually make this collaboration take place yeah absolutely i really like um everything you said there and i I really agree with it uh francis what do you think especially adding sort of tom's points about collaboration as well what are your thoughts on open banking in the industry at the moment? I mean, it's funny you sort of talk about collaboration because that's like literally the big thing that I 
pulled out of this article as well. I was like, you know, the report highlights the importance of spreading the technology. And it's it's like Tom just said, right? It's not just on that West. Every single organization, every regulator, every everyone needs to play their part to, you know, help make it more, well, I guess more mainstream, but more achievable, more accessible, you know, all of those sort of things that you want from the technology to really see it, you know, reach its true potential as sort of is discussed in the article. I think that's like one of the biggest things. And I mean, I know that the article is focusing on Europe, but I thought it was quite prevalent to bring this up as it was just an article that we worked on or that I worked on, you know, this week as well. And that was this idea that open banking education is a must in Canada is only 9% of the respondents of the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada's reports or it only 9% of people have actually you know heard of it and said that they you know would work with it and I mean when you when you think about all the potentials that or the potential that the technology has I think you've really got to sort of highlight the importance of making sure it's accessible to everyone and that everyone really understands it so that you know it can then it can then flourish and i mean you know as as we sort of discussed before is it sort of just a, a, a the new hype train right is it the new nft of, of fintech or is it something like that i mean in my opinion no i think it's a lot more applicable and sort of better than nfts putting it bluntly but i definitely think there's still a ways to go and i i think collaboration is probably you know one organization sort of explaining the benefits to another that organization then doing the same to the next you know it seems almost archaic that sort of way of working but there's a reason it it worked like that right and i think that you know i think the more organizations that do sort of take it on the better everyone will be you know more people will be able to reap the rewards yeah i think it's really interesting that you kind of brought up the idea of of a hype train and i totally agree i think it's gone beyond that i think when it kind of was first about there was definitely kind of this idea of the big trending thing and everyone was talking about it and it got that treatment but now it's it's really evolved beyond that and i think we're kind of seeing that in the industry too so that's a really interesting point thank you francis um but anyway yeah let's move on to francis your article what are you going to talk about today yeah, cheers, Polly. So last but not least, I wanted to bring the idea of subscriptions or I suppose unsubscriptions, if you will, the idea of unsubscribing from, from you know, services. And I mean, it's, it's something that's historically, you know, been kind of challenging. Yeah, I mean, how many times have we heard somebody, you know, talk about, you know, a gym subscription, for example, you know, like... Somebody will say on the 1st of January, you know, new year, new me, I'm going to start going to the gym, I'm going to start working out every day, blah, blah, blah. We've all heard it before. And then, you know, two weeks in, they forget about their membership, the card stays in their wallet. And then they only really remember about it the following January when they say the exact same thing and they've realized they've been paying for it for a year. And I mean, I think a lot of the time people find it very easy to forget what they're actually subscribed to because, you know, there's different apps, there's different services, you know, you, there's not really an all-in-one an all-in-one service. So what MasterCard has done, it has partnered with Subayo, I think is how you say it, an alumnus of the company's startup engagement program, StartPath, to empower consumers to unsubscribe from unwanted services. This solution provides consumers with visibility into their subscriptions, in addition to reoccurring payments within their digital banking platform, regardless of how the consumer chooses to pay. There is no need to exit one app and log into another. Consumers can now unsubscribe from services directly within their digital banking app through MasterCard and Subayo's partnership. So again, this just 
goes back to what I said. It's this idea of simplifying, being able to see all your finances in one spot, and then sort of deciding from there what you need and what you don't. So financial institutions that enable consumers to better control their spending can reduce operational costs, while both merchants and issuers can also avoid the costs of disputes and alleviate pressures on call centers. So it's a win-win for everyone. Like, let's be honest, consumers are lazy. I can't think of a situation where jumping from one app to another would be favorable over an all-in-one situation. And, you know, having everything in one place just gives, con- gives consumers a better overview of their finances and really how much they're spending on subscriptions a month or a year. And I mean, it just helps put things into perspective, as I sort of said. And, you know, speaking from a personal experience as well, I know that this has helped me before. I mean, you know, all my living expenses are much easier to manage if I can sort of see how much is being deducted all at once. And then this sort of simplicity, you know, it can it benefits everyone and it it saves time. It saves, you know, resources for, for merchants and not having to deal with calls about unsubscribing or wanting a refund due to an unused membership card. All of that sort of problem, all of those issues, I should say, they can just all be avoided with this sort of partnership. So I think it's, you know, a very, you know, simple but effective thing. And that's why I wanted to bring it to the table today, just to sort of get your guys' views, I suppose, on, you know, have you ever, I guess it's almost from like a personal point of view, have you ever sort of forgotten about a subscription, ended up paying for it for ages, and then just thought, damn, if I'd seen this in, you know, four or five months ago, would have saved me like 50 quid or something like that. Polly, I'll go to you first. That exact scenario has happened to me so many times. It is painful. Uh, mostly when I've like signed up to free trials and then forgotten to like cancel or whatever, or like have just completely forgotten that I signed up in the first place. Uh, literally, it's happened to me so many times where I've gone back and gone, God, why do I just, what's this £20 charge coming out of my bank every month? And it's for like a service that I literally haven't used for a year, but have been signed up that entire time. It's happened so many times, which is why I think sort of um, things like this are a godsend for just consumers in general. I think it's so handy to have, like you say, people are lazy, but not only that, people are just useless and forgetful. And so to have it all in one place is brilliant. But also, I think companies, uh, this is this is like a hot take that might not even be that hot, but I feel like companies make it really difficult to unsubscribe to things a lot of the time. Um like you know sometimes you'll you're like you can subscribe to something in literally like five minutes and then do you actually like unsubscribe from it and to stop paying them you have to like phone three different people and and get through to a bunch of different departments to finally get your money stop coming out of your account sort of thing so to have it all in one place where you can just really easily unsubscribe from things is brilliant and i love it and i guess you know thinking about you know the cost of living crisis and all of that, I think it's handy to a lot of people to be able to kind of have that greater visibility over your spending rather than trawling through statements and stuff, which is pretty easy now with um, online banking and digital banking apps. And I know a lot of different uh, banking apps offer you like a diff- different ways you can kind of like see your spending and help your budget and things like that. But to have even better visibility over their spending with subscription payments through one single place, I think is really important and you know giving that power back to the consumers which at the end of the day we can all get behind because we're all consumers so no i'm a very big fan i need it and will probably be uh, utilizing this if not a similar um a similar solution because i have so many subscriptions and i don't need them and i keep paying for them and it's just it's just 
needs to stop. You know, it's funny that you were talking about this idea of, you know, it's very difficult to unsubscribe from things. Because I saw an article as well that I recently worked on where it's talking about, you know, the adoption of of pausing a subscription. So it's not saying that you necessarily want to unsubscribe. It's just saying, you know, I'm, I can't really afford this right now or it's not something that I'm really making the most of. So I'd just like to pause the, the subscription. I don't want to sort of delete my data or anything like that. Just put it on stop for a, for a bit and then maybe come back to it later. And I think that way is probably a lot more effective. I don't know if, you know, perhaps one of those like sign up things that you were just talking about, you know, you you don't need it for a bit, but you think actually it might come in handy a bit later down the line, you know, maybe something like that. It, I think it just having these options, right. It then stops this complicated unsubscribing service or procedure that you spoke about, which can be such a hassle sometimes, but yeah, Tom, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you've covered, you've both covered it really well, to be honest. I, I, I'm also a victim of, of this. Um, I'll, I'll say it's because of my own unorganization, really. Uh, I mean, I recently um, realized that I've been paying for the Now TV Entertainment Pass for four months because I got the free trial to watch The Last of Us. And then it was only like a few weeks ago. I was like, oh, I'm still paying for that. But because all you know, you have so many outgoings coming out of my current account, I never noticed before. And it was just by chance I opened my app to look at you know what's been coming out my account in the last week or so realized that that had been taken out the day before and was like wait i never canceled i just thought i canceled it and i never had so this kind of somewhere that can you can just centrally see all your outgoings um, in terms of subscriptions would be would probably save me who knows how much money a, a month uh but that that like prompted me to go back and look for all my subscriptions i did have two or three that i wasn't intended to be paying for as long as i ended up paying them so you know these type of solutions are always going to be a, a positive and a win for the consumer, you know, just giving them more, more ways to realize where their money's going and, and to, to better display that. So I, I'm someone that would definitely benefit out of a solution like this. And if Barclays want to implement this ASAP, then, then please do because I'm, I'm all in and I need to save some more money with uh, features like this. Definitely. It's simple, but effective, simple, but effective. Amazing stuff. Well, thank you guys. That was a really great discussion this week. If anyone wants to read any more about the articles that we've spoken about or anything else about the fintech industry, head on over to thefintechtimes.com where there are plenty of news, insights and lovely information all about fintech that you can read. Uh, Let's move on very quickly to what I learned this week. Each week, new information crosses our desks being on the editorial team that we are learning something new about the fintech industry all the time. So we thought it'd be fun to share that with our listeners. Tom, what have you learned this week? So this week... Uh, I learned that UK uh, Russell Group universities have all agreed to implement AI principles for students and staff. Um, so they're going to help staff train them uh, to equip students to use AI rather than just banning it because they're worried about AI being used for cheating. Uh, I guess this is the idea of AI is going to be so important in the future. Let's best equip everyone rather than just you know saying it's banned, no one's allowed to use it and, and trying to just you know, get rid of it from everyone's uh, lives rather than making it, you know, a useful thing that people can implement. So I thought that was just uh, an interesting thing that's happened this week. Awesome stuff. Francis, what have you learned this week? So this week I learned that the Bristol-based lending, open finance and data payment firm MoneyHub is supporting a fundraising campaign in support of Leukemia Care UK, in which a herd of 60 unicorn sculptures have been placed across the city of Bristol and its surrounding areas. And they're going to help boost fundraising effort, fundraising efforts, payment methods powered by MoneyHub's advanced technology, which will make it easier and quicker for donations to be made through the simple act of scanning the QR codes attached to each of the 60 unicorn sculptures. 
Uh, awesome. So this week I learned that uh, UK banks are showing signs of growth. So the banker's latest top 1,000 world banks ranking has revealed that the aggregate number of employees at the six largest UK banks increased by 0.6%, which is the largest increase in the last decade. Uh, so all cool stuff. But awesome, guys. Thank you so much for joining me uh, this week. As always, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk about FinTech with you. Um, have a fantastic rest of your week and I'll catch you on the next one. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute delight. Thoroughly enjoyed. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Fintech Times News and Views podcast. Don't miss next week's episode and continue the conversation using hashtag TFT News and Views and follow us at the Fintech Times. 